This is Deacon Greg sharing Walking in the Way of Love. Pray. Father T.J. Humphrey's sermon from yesterday is on the same topic as yesterday's podcast. But he asked the question, what happens when you fuse together last week's events with the liturgical season we are in? The sermon is titled, Tyrant. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. The Lord has shown forth his glory. Come, let us adore him. We will recite together the Jubilate on page 82. Be joyful in the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with a song. Know this, the Lord himself is God. He himself has made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and call upon his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures from age to age. 
The Lord has shown forth his glory. Come, let us adore him. Our psalms this morning are Psalms 146, found on page 146. Excuse me, found on page 803. Psalm 146. Alleluia. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in rulers, nor in the child of earth, for there is no help in them. When they breathe their last, they return to earth, and in that day their thoughts perish. Happy are they who have the God of Jacob for their help, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the seas and all that is in them, who keeps his promise forever, who gives justice to those who are oppressed and food to those who hunger. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord cares for the stranger. He sustains the orphan and widow, but frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, through all generations. Alleluia. We continue with Psalm 147 found on page 804. Alleluia! How good it is to sing praises to our God! How pleasant it is to honor him with praise! The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars and calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. There is no limit to his wisdom. The Lord lifts up the lowly, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God upon the harp. He covers the heavens with clouds and prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass to grow upon the mountains and green plants to serve mankind. He provides food for flocks and herds and for the young ravens when they cry. He is not impressed by the might of a horse. He has no pleasure in the strength of a man. But the Lord has pleasure in those who fear him, in those who await his gracious favor. Worship the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He has established peace on your borders. He satisfies you with the finest wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. And his word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters hoarfrost like ashes. He scatters his hail like breadcrumbs. Who can stand against his cold? 
He sends forth his word and melts them. He blows with his wind and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his judgments to Israel. He has not done so in any other nations. To them he has not revealed his judgments. Alleluia. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it is in the beginning and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Here ends the lesson. We continue with Canticle 11 on page 87. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. For behold, darkness covers the land, deep gloom enshrouds the peoples. But over you the Lord will rise, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will stream to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawning. Your gates will always be open. By day or night they will never be shut. They will call you the city of the Lord the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Violence will no more be heard in your land, ruin or destruction within your borders. You will call your walls salvation and all your portals praise. The sun will no more be your light by day. By night you will not need the brightness of the moon. The Lord will be your everlasting light, 
and your God will be your glory. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. But the son, but of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And in the beginning, Lord, you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing. Like a cloak, you will roll them up and like clothing they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will never end. Here ends the lesson. We'll continue with Canticle 18 on page 93. Splendor and honor and kingly power are yours by right, O Lord our God. For you created everything that is, and by your will they were created and have their being. And yours by right, O Lamb that was slain, for with your blood you have redeemed for God from every family, language, people, and nation, a kingdom of priests to serve our God. And so to him who sits upon the throne and to Christ the Lamb, be worship and praise, dominion and splendor, forever and forevermore. A reading from John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Here ends the lesson. For the better part of a year now, I have really struggled to know what to say as a priest. It's not just that our church has been shut down since last Lent, last Lent, and that I've essentially been preaching and praying to a camera since then. I mean, the only thing I hear when I preach is the echo of my own voice off of the ceilings. The only face that I see is my own, staring back at me from the screen. How I long for the days when I can see all of you lovely people again. When we can pray together in person again. When we can weave our voices together in joyful song again. Heck, I'd give anything just to have all of you sleepers back, sitting in the back pews, snoring away to your heart's desire again. I'd give anything. My God, it's been so hard to know what to say. It's just that we live in such tumultuous times. And this spiral that we've been on as a country, it's not waned in its downward trajectory in the slightest. And not only have many of us lost loved ones to the coronavirus, but there's still a large part of the population that believes that this whole pandemic is a hoax. For those of you out there listening to me right now who believe this nonsense, I wish, I wish that you could sit in on all of the funerals that I have to do. I wish you could have sat in on the funeral that I had to do in the morning that I recorded the sermon. I wish you could simply be there with the people in their suffering. I assure you that this whole thing is not a hoax. My God, I've struggled to know what to say. If you followed my preaching for any length of time, you know that I am all about love. I am all about togetherness, I'm all about community, unity, grace, the hospitality of God, all that good stuff. And I've preached on several occasions that God welcomes all types of stripes and flavors of people to the table, regardless of their sexuality, regardless of their gender, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their economic situation, and regardless of their political persuasion. I still believe this. 
but you knew there was a but coming. But I also need to tell you about something else that I believe in, more specifically something I don't believe. I don't believe that God welcomes disunity to the table. I don't believe that God invites hatred to the table. I don't believe that God welcomes injustice to the table. I don't believe that God welcomes those who come bearing his name, but abusing others in his name. I don't believe he welcomes them to the table. Sometimes for unity to be had, disunity needs to be named for what it is and weeded out. To do anything less is irresponsible. There's a large part of our society that believes that they own Jesus, that they have a corner on Jesus, and that Jesus is always on their side. And that they embody the authentic expression of the Christian faith. And because they believe themselves to be in the right, they have labeled everybody else as being in the wrong. And in the name of God, that segment of society has condemned multitudes of people, condemned multitudes of sinners. It's because of them that countless gay people have taken their own lives. Believing that God doesn't love them and that they are unlovable. It's because of them that countless black people have been brutalized and murdered all in the name of Jesus, all in the name of keeping God's law in order. It's because of them that women still have not been granted the equality that they deserve, all in the name of biblical ethics, all in the name of the ideal Christian family. These people do all that they do in the name of love, so they claim, in the name of this God that they have fabricated in their own minds. I tell you, without hesitation, my friends, that their Jesus is not my Jesus. Their God is a God that I shall never follow. I will never bow the knee to. And it's because of them, I see it especially as a priest, that so many pews these days are empty. It's because of them that so many people have rejected the Christian faith. There are so many people outside of the stained glass walls who never, ever fell out of love with Jesus. They just grew weary and couldn't stomach being abused by hypocritical Christian fundamentalists anymore. And who could blame them? It's ironic. There are so many people out there today who question the relevance of the Bible. They see it as being archaic and outdated and in some ways, yes. In some ways, so do I, which is a weird thing for a priest to say. But when I watched with an ache in my stomach all of the events that transpired at our nation's capital on Wednesday on the Feast of the Epiphany, and when I saw those flags that read Jesus 2020 and Trump, Guns, and Jesus, and when an orange megalomaniac appeared on my television screen, all too happy to be equated with Jesus, all too happy to come and play the part of the Lamb being led to the slaughter, I saw that there is truly nothing new under the sun. And I saw just how eerily relevant the Bible truly is. The fact that this happened on the Feast of the Epiphany is extremely ironic. During the Feast of the Epiphany, we remember the revelation of the Messiah to the people. 
we remember God's revelation of the true king to the people. Specifically, we remember how the wise men came to venerate the newborn Messiah, the newborn Jesus, the newborn king. But just in case there are other parts of the story that are a bit fuzzy and foggy to you, allow me to refresh your memory for you. Whenever the wise men came into the region, they came to visit King Herod, another megalomaniac. And they asked him where this newborn king could be found, thinking he would know. And Herod played along, and he told the wise men to come back to him after they had found this newborn king, this baby, so that he too could go and venerate him. Secretly, though, Herod was planning something much more sinister in his heart. As the story unfolds, we read that Herod ordered the execution of every boy under the age of two in the land, in his own land. While we read the story today, most of the time, and we rejoice that little baby Jesus and his family got out of town safely and out of the region safely, we often fail to consider the wider implications of the darker side of this story. That Herod would have done literally anything to maintain his power, his reign. In order to ensure that his power would continue to go unthreatened, unchecked, he was willing to incite soldiers to murder innocent children in his own kingdom. And these soldiers carried out his bidding, all in the name of God and nation, all in the name of keeping the right man and power. It's very important for us to remember that for one gospel writer, this is how the whole story of Jesus starts off with a clashing of two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of those tyrants who use God language to secure their power over the people. The Bible labels these tyrants, these politicians, as antichrists, beasts, and even demons. I mean, Jesus himself called Herod a fox, which was anything but a compliment at the time. It was actually a tremendous insult. If you recall from the Gospel reading for today, we heard about the life of John the Baptist, a little fragment of it. I'll pose a question to you. Have you ever considered why John was baptizing people out in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever stopped to think about why he didn't take his message and his ministry to the streets of Jerusalem, to the heart of the religious institution of his day? It was because he didn't come to redeem the corrupt religious institution of his time. No, he came to counter it. He came to counter those, those, the brood of vipers, as he called them. Now, to be very clear, baptism was a temple ritual. It was not some new spiritual practice that John concocted to gain a following. And rather than abandoning the religion entirely, John chose to take his religion back from those who had corrupted it. He chose to take back his religion from those who had abused others in the name of it. He chose to take back his religion from those who had gotten into bed with the empire. If you're not familiar with it, during John's time, many people, many if not most of the Jewish people, saw the temple as having been completely corrupted at the hands of the priesthood. Why? There's many reasons why. Many. Too many to name here. 
The one of the main ones was because the high priests themselves were appointed by Roman governors. Governors like Pontius Pilate. And they could only maintain their positions, their priesthoods, if they served the best interests of Rome. If they embodied the Roman way more than the Hebrew way. But John, instead of rejecting his religion, his faith, he took it back. He reclaimed it and repurposed it, and he taught the people how to truly embody it. If baptism had become polluted in the temple by those priests, he would simply go and baptize people in the river of Jordan. He restored true religion back to the people. Now the most important thing for us to consider in all of this, more important than the Magi coming, more important than John the Baptist, is where Jesus chose to be baptized. Was he the great high priest? Was he baptized in the temple? Or was he baptized by John in that river? Think about the implications of this. When Jesus was baptized by John, it was a form of revolutionary religious activism. It was a way of rejecting the institution and reclaiming the heart of the Hebrew way. In being baptized by John, Jesus was declaring then and there that the religion of the people, that the religion of those who lived on the fringes, that this was the true religion, that this was true Judaism, not the religion of the corrupted temple and not the religion of the empire or any amount of co-mixture between the two. And to be quite clear, very clear, Jesus did not come to start a new religion. He did not come to reject Judaism. No, he came to reject how his religion had been co-opted and bastardized by political despots and by clergy who came to do the bidding of these political despots. And this is precisely why Jesus did not proclaim a new religion or a new spirituality or a new form of mysticism. No, he proclaimed the coming of a kingdom of a kingdom where the proud are scattered in their conceit and where the mighty are cast down from their thrones. Jesus' kingdom has nothing at all in common with the kingdoms of the Herods or the Pilots or the Caesars or the Trumps of this world. It never has and it never will, my friends. I am fed up. I am fed up with the people who bear Jesus' name pretending otherwise. And you should be fed up too. with the Apostles' Creed on page 96. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. 
He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Suffrages B on page 98. Save your people, Lord, and bless your inheritance. Day by day we bless you. Lord, keep us from all sin today. Lord, show us your love and mercy. And you, Lord, is our hope. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant that they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose spirit the whole body of your faithful people is governed and sanctified, receive our supplications and prayers which we offer before you for all members of your holy church, that in their vocation and ministry they may truly and devoutly serve you, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What star is this with beams so bright? More beauteous than the noonday light, it shines to herald forth the King, and Gentiles to his crib to bring. True spake the prophet from afar, who told the Service concludes with a prayer of St. Chrysostom. 
on page 102. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. you for joining me on my walk in the way of love. Until next time, may you stay safe and healthy, and let us go forth and love our neighbors as ourselves.